Gretchen, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? I'm sure. I always have to double check with you because sometimes you're not. Oh, Lordy. Are we talking about sex already or what are we talking about? Gretchen Christine. <laughs> Hi there, everybody. Thanks for joining us. It's another episode of Not Too Taboo. I'm here with my lady love, Gretchen Christine Rossi. Hi, everybody. Hey, how are you doing? I'm so excited to be here today. I'm excited, too, because um, the way that our life goes, this is the only time I get to see you. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. I like I legit feel like I haven't seen you in 22 weeks. I know. Like and we're, we're like on totally different schedules. Like completely different schedules. I, it's like literally when they say two ships passing in the night, it's like legit. Yeah, like yours is a ship and mine's a little dinghy. <laughs> that's that's what passes. You don't even see it go by. I know. Hey, we got to remind everybody to download and subscribe. Uh, pull out your phone, subscribe, download. Thanks, you guys, so much for tuning in every week. We tweet love me. you guys. We appreciate you guys. Someone, don't someone should tweet, tweet me. Don't tweet. Like, we talk about this every week. I try to tweet, but I ended up tweeting myself, and it was really embarrassing. But Don't you know. tweet, Slade. <laughs> well, send me something. I'm trying to be more social. You keep telling me I have to be more social. Um, I'm trying. Okay, so, you guys, today our guest, we're really You want to explain why the guest is here? Yes, I'm going, can I, can I, can I actually have a moment to explain? Jeez. Well, we didn't finish talking about the fact that my little dinghy goes right by. <laughs> and you don't even see me. And because of our relationship, I think that this is an appropriate topic. Okay, so you guys, we today decided that we wanted to bring on a sexologist. What, is that say it a again. Good voice sexologist. That? <laughs> I like the way you said that. Please say it again. Um, we decided to bring on a sexologist, you guys, because... You know, after having a baby and trying to like get your groove back, especially when you're completely like sleep deprived and like you can't even think straight. Sleep deprived, sleep de sex deprived, mm -hmm. all these things. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of deprivation. There's a lot of deprivation. Um, and I like the term sexologist. I do too. It kind of it kind of makes you think about mixing it up a little. <laughs> like a drinkologist. There's always something new they add to the mix. You want to taste it, try it out. <laughs> Well, you know what's really cool that the the expert that we have on today, like she has some things that I've never even like considered, thought about. So I'm really excited for all of you guys to hear what she has to say. Um, Can I just say I'm even more excited to find out that she actually does like programs, Prague, Istanbul, Al Albuquerque. We could travel and go see her all over the world and have different sexual experiences. <laughs> Jeez, you guys. Okay, this so gonna be a great show. I know. I'm really excited about it. So she is a sexologist and relationship expert. She hosts a podcast with her husband called Sex with Dr. Jess, and is co-author of the book The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. She's an international speaker, writer, and television personality, and she's worked with thousands of couples from all corners of the globe to transform their relationships. Please welcome the amazing Dr. Jess O'Reilly. Yay! <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Hi. Yay. Oh, I, oh my God. I you can't. know, we have a problem with the board because I always hit the wrong button. I can't. <laughs> Dr. Jess, it's like an ongoing thing. Like he has sticky notes on the board and he literally always finds a way to push the laughing audience, not the clapping audience. So. Wait, what's this in way? <laughs> That's, oh, yeah. So that's when I try to work laughing. the board, this is what happens. Like, people laugh at me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But when I, we mentioned Dr. Jess's name, this is what happens. Yay. He finally got it right. Oh, my God. Well, we're so excited to have you. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, 
happy to be here. And I, you know, I know people who put sticky notes to point out the clitoris. So at least it's just the oh, at least it's yes. just a soundboard you're dealing with. Did that, I not tell you there was going to be some innovation on today's show? That is hilarious. I love it. Wait, are you being serious? Like people are like, this is where it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, they may not have sticky notes, but there are people who need some very detailed maps, right? I mean, to be fair, I love to be fair, we don't learn about the clitoris so in true. school, right? So some true. people think it's just on the outside and they forget about the like inner legs of the clitoris and the bulbs. We just don't learn about that yeah, stuff. It's so true. I totally agree with you. I, I, you know, it's funny because obviously I'm not credentialed or know anything like you know, but I do have friends come over all the time and they're always like, whenever my friends have sex questions, they always come to me and I'm it's not like I really know. It's just that I'm in touch with myself sexually. And so people always come over and they're like asking me questions. And I'm like, why do I know all this? You know, like, This is going to be so awesome because I know even less than Gretchen, but I do know how to go to Staples and buy Post-its. That's what I know. <laughs> but you do know, I think every group of friends needs someone like you who at least opens up the conversation, right? right? So even if you don't know, you're willing to learn, yeah. you're willing to explore, you're willing to share your insights. And if we didn't have people like you, uh, you you know, we'd, be, we'd all be in big trouble. The husbands and wives and everybody, they're thanking you. <laughs> they are thanking her. That's funny. I do. I have a lot of my friends that call me all the time and they're like, okay, so what about this? Or how do I do that? Or what, how do I like, like make this hot with my husband or what? It's well, funny. you can imagine. Cause I'm, I'm walking downstairs. She's sitting on the couch talking to her girlfriend and she's like leaning over. Going, so have you tried the vibrator? honey? <laughs> There's a thing called the rabbit. I'm like, what are you talking about? I know. Poor Slady walks into so many conversations. He's like, what is going on? Um, okay, so Doc, oh. go ahead, Dr. Jess. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, I think he loves it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm he's, just not shy about it. He's fooling you, right? So Dr. Jess, tell us a little bit about your credentials before we get started, because it's very impressive. Oh, well, you know, I started as a high school teacher. So I was teaching in public high school in Toronto. I'm a Canadian. You'll hear from my accent because I say clitoris instead of clitoris. <laughs> but I mean, I like as long as you can enough. find it, I don't... Yeah, I don't care what you call it. And so, I, you know, I was a teacher and I saw the gaps in, a, in the system. I had young people, teenagers coming to me in unhealthy relationships, in abusive relationships, with unplanned pregnancy, with STIs, with all of these different factors. And we didn't have the supports as teachers to give them the resources and the information they needed. So I decided to go back to school and do research around supporting teachers because, you know, in places like Canada and the States where, you know, in Canada, at least it's over 99% of students go through the school system. What better place to actually talk about healthy relationships and sex than in school. So that's my background. But then, of course, when I graduated, I thought, oh, I'll get a job with the school board or the Ministry of <laughs> Education as some sort of, and they were like, no, shut the door, get out of here. We don't want you. Wow. So I started writing and speaking and, you know, ended up hosting a reality show for for Playboy TV and, and launched into this more, it's still an educational career. I mean, I'm still in education, but it's far more public. Yeah. And, you know, I still get to volunteer in the schools. They, they still somehow keep having me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I mostly work with couples. So actually, it's primarily entrepreneurs and their partners. And that's why I get to travel and speak and, and write. And uh, I, I don't think I could love it more. I mean, I can't get, I can't wait to get back to the travel. That's for sure. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. I find that fascinating. So, so you actually stepped away from teaching in high school to pursue this whole like sex education, if you will, correct? Yeah. And, you know, it was really by accident. You know, you mentioned you liked the word sexologist. When I started my, my 
last degree. I didn't even know that word. I didn't know that was a thing I could be. I mean, I, again, I'm Irish, Catholic, Chinese, Jamaican. Our parents never told us, hey, you can grow up to be a doctor, lawyer, accountant, or right. a sexologist. It right. never it never made the cut. Right. So it was really by accident uh, where I started writing and started speaking. And yeah, the, the book that you mentioned is actually my fifth book, but the one I'm definitely most proud of. Wow. Wow. Here's like the question, obviously, that everyone's going to come out the door with, right, is how do you actually get your partner in the mood when you're like trying to do the hanky panky, you know, like how do you actually That's a great get question. them excited or in the mood? Because I know my partner's mood changes like the wind. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. I mean, I'm... I'm one of those two. And we, you know, we all change our minds. I mean, one of the concepts that we work with has to do with getting your partner in the right emotional mindset. So I think many of us, when we think about seduction or getting your partner in the mood or sex, we just think about the physical. But what we don't realize that is within the context of running a business like you do, working hard like you do, um, having social responsibilities, family responsibilities, raising a child, it's often not about how you approach me physically. It's about how you approach me emotionally. So one of the first things I ask people to think about uh, in terms of getting themselves in the mood and getting their partner in the mood is this concept of the core erotic feeling. So the core erotic feeling is the emotion that you require in order to get in the mood for sex. And it's different for everybody. Some people Mm. have to feel relaxed. Other people need to feel loved or happy or safe or powerful or stress-free or sexy or desired or challenged or full of energy. And everybody's core erotic feeling is different. And so we tend to approach our partners with the way we want to feel instead of really learning how they want to feel. And this, this, you know, takes a little bit of exploration. So most of you have probably heard of the five languages of love, right? That yeah, we show just, our love. I was just going to say that. I was going to say it sounds just like the five languages of love and like two and recognizing what one you are. That's so great. Because Gretchen is, it's very important to her that she be spoken to in her love language. Yeah, I, I'm, my love language is praise. So, but I, uh, when you were explaining this, I was thinking exactly of that book. Exactly. Did you say your love language is praise? Yes. Okay. So like words of affirmation. So you like the language and, you know, we, we talk about this often that once you figure out their core erotic feeling, once, once you understand what it is, first and foremost, it's your responsibility to cultivate that feeling. So I can't just say I need to feel sexy and then do all these things that make myself not feel sexy and then turn to my husband and say, Hey, undo all the damage I've done (laughs) and Mm. make me feel sexy. So I always say, you know, 80, 20, it's 80% my job to lay the groundwork for that feeling. If I value the sex, my sex, life. And then it's also 20% my job to, or their job to help me feel that way. And then uh, one one of the concepts that comes from, I I just want to shout her out so that I don't steal her concept, but my co-author on this book, Marla Renee Stewart, talks about once you understand the core erotic feeling, you want to understand their seduction or sexual learning style. So you know we, we probably grew up understanding whether or not we're a kinesthetic lover or a more auditory lover or not lover, sorry, learn. <laughs> Nobody learned about that. Uh, so, you know, I like you have these different auditory lover, stuff. though. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> How else does a man know whether he's doing it the right way? Oh, Lordy. 
<laughs> yeah, that applies to all of us. We want the men to make noise too. We want we want you to like let out the groans and the moans and let your breath go because when you're quiet, we wonder like, are they doing their taxes? Are they thinking about the game? Are they right. thinking about our kids? We want we all want that. But you know, when you think about uh, you know your learning style being either visual, auditory, or kinesthetic, or you know, or tactile, uh, similarly that can apply in the bedroom. So you want to think about all these different approaches to making your partner feel how they need to feel. So, you know, if you're more visual, you probably like lots of eye contact. You probably care about whether or not there's clutter in the room. You probably love to hear stories in rich detail. You probably are more concerned with what your partner is wearing or how they're moving. Whereas, you know, for someone like me who's auditory and definitely not visual, like I I really have trouble telling people apart. I went up to a guy in the park yesterday because I thought he was my husband. And like, I, I joke that that's my only pickup line. Sorry, I thought you were my husband, but I swear to God, after 19 years of being with my husband, we, we were kids when we met, I still confused. And it's not that he doesn't stand out. Like he's obviously, I, I think he's just gorgeous. Just so you know, this, this has happened to Gretchen as well. Just so you know. No, that no. What 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 happened was I was I always. This tend, has happened multiple times. No, what no? It's different than what she's explaining. What I do is I actually like if I don't know that Slade's going to show up somewhere, and this guy shows up, and I see him from the back, and he's like far far away. I'm like, God, who's that guy? That guy's hot. And then he turns around. It's my husband. I'm like, Oh my god, I'm checking out my own husband. <laughs> and I've done that several times. Where several like, times I see him and I like am checking him out, and then I realize it's it's my guy. <laughs> so anyway, I love that so much. Right? <laughs> right, I I absolutely love that. It's kind of one of the advantages of not recognizing people right away. Right? You get to <laughs> right. kind of feel that attraction all over yeah, again. It's, it's, yeah. re- it's really funny because um we were filming a Housewives episode. I was out in Texas. And I knew that Slade was flying in, but I didn't realize that he had already gotten to the location of where we were filming. We were actually at like a bar. Yeah, it was like a- Like a a country Western bar or something. And so they took us from the bar to this- A bull ring, right? A bull ring, like a legit bull ring where they had like, you know, shows or whatever there. And so he was walking across the way to like- come see us at the bar, which he didn't know we had already come into the bull ring. And I'm checking this guy out as I walk into that space. And I'm like, dude, look at that guy. Like he's so like strapping and tall and hot. And then all of a sudden I realize it's him. And I'm, and I'm telling all of my castmates, I'm like, I'm legit checking out my own husband. Like how is that? Like, it was really funny. So anyways. I don't think it gets better than that, right? I think that's so cool. And I mean, that a slate, it must make you like feel good, right? Give you, and I love that you're A, telling him so that he knows, but telling other people is also good for the relationship, right? Like compliments to your partner are good, but complimenting either behind their back or, you know, to others is, is so important too. I love that. Yeah. It yeah. is important. She's very vocal. Yeah. Well, you know, and I mean, here's the thing. The thing about Slate and I that we, that I think we're good at is that, when even when, you know, like last night when you're standing in front of the crib and like you had just like got up from a nap and like you you look like kind of messy, but you were really cute to me. And I was like, you look really hot right now. And you're like, what? Yeah, I was trying to explain something to you and you're like, hey, man, you're kind of hot right I'm now. like, you're like really hot. So I agree with you. I think it's important that even even just to vocalize it, like if you find somebody looking sexy or hot or something, you know, it's, just tell them in that moment. You we, know, no, we, we do that. say those things to each other all the time. Yeah. But I love what she's talking about, about being able to find kind of what that that core set of circumstances are that put you in the mood. Because well, yes. a lot of times I will flirt with you very heavily and you go, not now, I'm busy. 
Yeah, but see, but but see, what she was explaining, I yes. think, is such a good point because, like she said, if you're in work mode, which most of the time that you start flirting with me, I have my business hat on, and it's really hard to transition out of that mood when I'm like in that, and you're like trying to grope on me, and I'm like, get away from me, dude! It's like, not I have, groping; it's gentle petting. It's like I literally am in in work mode, or I'm stressed out about something, or it's in the middle of the day, and something's going on, and it's like, or we have you know still things to do, or whatever. Whatever. So, but so, I have a question for Dr. Justin okay. because I don't know that you actually like foreplay. Well, that has nothing to do with the core erotic feelings at this uh, moment. Well, yes, it does because part of getting you in the mood has to do with a bit of foreplay, whether it's complimenting you or it's gently touching I, it's you. It's not that I don't like foreplay. I think that maybe the type of foreplay that you think of is different than what she's talking about, like core erotic feelings. Um, doctor, this is what my wife does. See, she comes out of the shower. She goes, "Hey." <laughs> Want to hook up? There's no foreplay. No, it's just no. Okay, wait. Let's let her finish about core erotic <laughs> feelings before we get into our whole hot mess. So keep going. Dr. She's got Dress. great advice. I'm asking her for help. <laughs> well, like explain. So to us I gotta tell somebody- you. Yeah, go ahead. It does not sound like a hot mess. It actually sounds like a really good communication pattern you're in because you're explaining kind of what your needs are, how you differ. Uh, You know, I think you're both right in some respects that so Slade, from your perspective, she doesn't like foreplay. But but that's, I think, because you're thinking that foreplay is maybe physical. But perhaps Mm -hmm. all of these interactions that you're describing, like flirting with one another, complimenting one another, admiring one another, that can be a form of foreplay. I think oftentimes Mm -hmm. when we think about seduction and foreplay, we think about, you know, the physical part, but ultimately right. how your partner responds to you is a matter of how they feel and in part how you make them feel. So I guess what I would ask you, Gretchen, is when you are in work mode and mm-hmm. Slade is in the mood, how is it you want him to make you feel in order to help you transition into a potentially erotic space or connection? Yes, Gretchen. How is it you would like me to make you feel? See, and honestly, I don't know if I know that answer. That's why I find this so interesting to talk about this because, I, first of all, I've never even heard of like what your core erotic feelings are and, you know, like that connectivity that we're talking about of finding those things and understanding what those things are. I, I don't think I, I know because the truth is, is that I feel like when I really am in that work mode, it's really difficult for me to get out of that space and just go to this sexual space. Like, I don't know if I, I honestly, I, if I'm being really honest, I don't know if I'm capable of doing that. You're very linear in your focus. Well, I just don't, I just get, it's That's like, a compliment, by it's the way. Like, and by the way, it wouldn't be, it, it wouldn't be good for you because I would be so like stressed or focused or thinking like, I still have these things to do. And so I wouldn't be engaged with you in the sexual you know, activity at that moment, as much as if I felt relaxed and non-stressed and business stuff wasn't happening and all that, which I I don't love that about me because I wish I could just be like in the middle of the day and go like, let's go in the closet and have sex. But that's just not really me. I don't think. I I think this is great. I think that you're able to, the fact that you're able to articulate that is actually really useful and you shouldn't feel pressure to snap out of work mode and have sex in the closet. And it sounds to me, I mean, first and foremost, I'll say, you know, we, I have kind of questions we go through in the book about acknowledging and recognizing your core erotic feeling, including, you know, how do you want to feel before you have sex? What puts you in the mood for sex? How do you want to feel during sex? How do you want to feel after sex? When you think of like a a fantasy, how do you feel in that fantasy? uh, It sounds to me like you might be describing 
a core erotic feeling. Now, for example, you, you know, we talk about core erotic feeling or love languages as though they're static, but of course they can shift. But it sounds to me like you need to be relaxed. And and my yeah. husband is the same. He's not a, you know, drop what he's doing on the computer because there's an offer of something titillating. Right. Uh, whereas other people, and I don't, I don't know, Slade, if this is you, can kind of snap back and forth. So some people are more like light switches and they can turn it on and off. And other people need to kind of set the mood, set the environment, um, really have perfect, not perfect, but have different conditions in order to get in the mood. So so Slade, are you able to kind of snap back and forth? I think so. I think I could snap back and forth. In yeah. my own defense, by the way, I've never asked you to have sex in a closet. <laughs> I know, Washer but- and dryer on top of, maybe, <laughs> no, but, but not closet. I think um, I think you are the person that can be in the mood because literally you will walk by me and I'll be like at the fridge and you yeah. will like grab my butt or something and like touch it. And then it's like, a drive by. And then flirting. like five seconds later, you're like, do you see what's happening in my pants right now? <laughs> you're like, come on, let's go. And I'm like, oh my God, you just like barely groped me and like you're already ready to go. So I think you definitely are that person. But you have those moments. Yeah, I do. It's every now and again, but not like most of the time I'm like, no, don't even think about it, buddy. Like I'm in the <laughs> middle of my day or whatever. But yeah, I. but then see what's, what's confusing, Dr. Jess, is there's other times where like I'm in the shower and I like thinking about him or something. And then I get out of the shower and I literally am naked and I come to the side of the bed and I just lean over the bed knowing he's coming in the room. I'm like, hi, <laughs> like, yeah. hey, you She's want like, some of this, hey. you know? And like, I'm just one leg up. Hey. And I think that's where we get back, you know, to kind of like the seduction style or whatever. So there's times that I feel like I'm, I'm like that, but I, but if I actually really think about it, most of those times it's when I feel relaxed and when I'm like not stressed or hurried or needing to do something else. So I think that's interesting when you really start evaluating that, you know? Right. And that's maybe perhaps your first foray into identifying your core erotic feeling. And, uh, you know, as Slade begins to understand that and as you understand it, you can also perhaps make changes if you want to, whether they be behavioral or lifestyle or attitudinal or communicative uh, or relational so that you do feel more of that. So it sounds like you already have this, you know, active and satisfying sex life. Um, And for folks who are, are already there, that's when we move on to your elevated erotic feelings, which really takes sex over the edge. And we can talk about that in a moment. But for folks who maybe aren't on the same page, who aren't having sex with the frequency that they'd like to, who don't really understand what their partner wants, who don't understand how to initiate, how to seduce, the core erotic feeling can be a really good place to start. Now, some people will say, like, Jess, I don't care how I feel. I'm always in the mood for sex. I don't care if I'm sad, if I'm happy, if I'm glad, if I'm angry, I'm ready to go. And it may be that they're just more sexually excitable. It may be that they compartmentalize better uh, or differently. Or it may just be that their core erotic feeling is so taken care of that it doesn't really matter to them. They can they can kind of just get in the mood. I also want to emphasize that simply experiencing your core erotic feeling doesn't mean that sex is a guarantee. So just because, you know, you may you may discover that, oh, I need to feel relaxed in order to have sex. It doesn't mean every time you feel relaxed, you want to have sex. But Damn once it. you figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we should ask you, Slay, do you think that you have an idea of what your what the emotion you desire in order to get in the mood for sex might be? Yeah, good question. Uh, that's a really good question. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I, I no don't idea. know. I, here's the thing. There there are times too where, where 
she has flirted back and I've said no. But the only time I think I would ever say no or nah is because I'm just tired. You're just tired. I'm just straight up tired. Like I've been up with our daughter or haven't slept. That's the big thing for me is sleep deprivation crushes me. So that would be the only reason. But there's a couple times at about 2 a.m. that I've woke you up doing certain things. Those are the best times. I love it when you wake me up. You're like, I'm not that tired right now. (laughs) No, that's the best when it's a surprise attack. That's fantastic. Sneak attack. Guys don't always want to have to initiate. They like it when women initiate. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Even you, though I'm always trying to absolutely. <laughs> no, you definitely well, sleep like sex that. is sleep sex is fun because you're already relaxed, right? Like you're already just oh, in a zone. You're kind of out of it. Oh, that's I love it too. Best. Have you ever had accident? So there's there's a condition called sexomnia where you have sex in your sleep, and you can you know there are actually some really serious issues around it and consent. But for those of us um, who have positive experience of sexomnia, like a few times. I've woken up and we we are kind of, or not even woken up, like we've just had sex in our sleep and we almost barely remember it. But it's so mm-hmm. nice because it's, you know, when you're exhausted and you want to have sex, but you fall asleep, it's yes. so nice to wake up in the morning totally. and be like, oh my God, we did that. That was taken yes. care of. I feel good. I totally. feel connected. <laughs> totally. I love that. I, like, it's actually one of my favorite things. Like if we're just like really tired and like, then all of a sudden, like you roll over at two or three and then all of a sudden you're like, you're having sex and you're so tired, but like, it feels so good. Or like, there's several times that, um, like I, like if I'm asleep in the morning, he'll come in and he'll start like rubbing me or doing something in the morning. And then like, I'm still asleep or I'll have my eye mask on. And it's kind of like erotic in that sense, because like I have like an eye mask on and I don't really see what's going on. <laughs> that becomes tactile. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's Love interesting. It. Cause I never really, you know, would think I'm like into something like that. But then when we're doing something like that, I'm like, Oh, this is like really hot. You I think like you would not be into something like that. Yet you were the one that picked my birthday theme as Fifty Shades of Slave. <laughs> yes, this is true. <laughs> this is uh, true. I want to see the pictures from that. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, it was a hot masquerade party. <laughs> so, so you're saying like once you get your partner in the mood, so how do you make sure that that sex is hot at that stage, which is what you're talking about, like this elevated erotic feelings, correct? Right. So when we think about sex, yes, we have the physical, we have the audio, we have the visual, but then we have the emotional. And so every human interaction, whether you're having a one night stand with a stranger whose name you don't even know, or you're having long, you know, a romantic night with the love of your life, every human interaction is emotional, right? So I always say, you know, if you go to a coffee shop and they're rude to you, you have an emotional reaction. When you walk into a restaurant and they make you feel at home or make you feel important, you have an emotional reaction. So emotions are what drive human experiences. And so they're they're part of what drives sex beyond the physical. So your elevated erotic feelings are the feelings that potentially take sex to the next level. These are when I feel this way, sex is just more intense, either mm-hmm. physically or psychologically or emotionally or intimately or even spiritually or any spiritually, other yeah. benefit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So maybe so for example. You know, maybe to get in the mood for sex, my core erotic feeling is that I need to feel loved. All right. So in my relationship, honestly, I always feel loved. It's it's the norm. I always feel deeply loved. So I don't really have to work to evoke my core erotic feeling. But sometimes when we play with, you know, sexual scenarios or fantasies or role plays that are, and it doesn't have to be this way, but this is my experience, at odds with my core erotic feelings. So subversive feelings like 
a little bit of jealousy or feeling inadequate or even, you know, some people can get turned on by humiliation or degradation when we think about kinky sex. Oftentimes when these emotions that are at odds with your core erotic feeling become paired with sexual arousal and play and orgasm, they can be even hotter. So when you think about kinky sex, when you think about fantasies, if, if we take the example of a threesome, okay? So threesome's a super common fantasy. Everyone's always asking me about threesomes. People think they want to try threesomes, but oftentimes they really only want to fantasize about it. I always ask, you know, what is it that appeals to you about a threesome? Is it that you want four hands on you? Or is it that you just want to be adored and be the center of attention? Because then if we figure out how you want to feel, you Mm. can explore that fantasy. And some people are going to go off and have a threesome. That's fine. But like, you know, statistics show most people are not. But you can still play with that fantasy and derive the emotional thrill with a partner, for example, in a monogamous relationship, if that's what you're in by having them make you feel adored or like all the attention is on you or like you're just you're the absolute center of sexual pleasure and so once you explore these elevated erotic feelings that's when sex can stay hot for 5 10 15 50 years and beyond oh my gosh dr jess you just get up on that mic gretchen resolved <clears throat> so i can hear you why i feel like slade in my sex life is super super hot so, oh, please describe. So, let me explain to you the story. So, when I first met Slade, and 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 most people that know Slade and I from way back in the day, that, like our relationship has evolved incredibly, and we're just at a very different stage in our life of of ways of thinking. So, but how long I, have we known each other? We've known each other for twenty years. We've been together for eleven, and I swear, I feel like our sex life has gotten hotter over the years. But what you this just said made so much sense to me because when I first met Slade, I had gone through a divorce. He had cheated on me, like all this stuff. So, like, you all of a sudden start making like different rules, I guess, or different like things to protect yourself, right? And so, I when I first met Slade, I was just like, "Look, I want to know that we have what I called an open relationship," which meant that. Not at that time, but at any given time in our marriage and our in our relationship. You meant open communication, not open relationship. That's what I should say. Open communication, but meaning that if I always said to Slate, if at some point in our marriage, if 20 years down the line, I want to bring in another person into the sex life because we need to like spice it up or do something, I just need to know you're open to that, right? And so, and he would just always be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like he was always like for game for whatever made me feel confident and whatever. But what's interesting is so I used to think that way at the very beginning of our relationship that like maybe one day I would need that or maybe what. And you just explained to me probably what I was thinking I needed. And I didn't even realize that because Slade is is that person, like what you just described, he's so adoring of me. He makes me feel so loved. He's so attentive to me. I'm always the center of attention when it comes to him or our sex life or whatever. And it's like, I am so fulfilled by him at such a high level that all of those things that I ever used once to think, like are so not even part of the puzzle anymore, not even like a consideration, nothing that I even would want. And on top of it, our sex life is so hot. It's like, it's so good. It's so amazing. So it's funny that you just described that because I I never really understood how I came into that space with him. And I feel like you just described exactly what happened over these last 11 years. Gotcha. What? She's a doctor and a professional. <laughs> 
That's why she's here. No, but I think it's interesting because how can somebody go from, you know, I want to, I want to be open to this where I now I'm like, I could never imagine having a threesome. Like that would wreck our connection, our relationship. Whereas when we first met, I'm like, you better be open to this kind of relationship. You know what I mean? She did say that. Yeah. And I just said, fine. Yeah. If you want to, if that's something that you want to discuss down the road, we can discuss it down the road, but it's not, it's not my thing. Yeah. So that's so interesting. What it, is, is that what you think probably happened with Slade and I, why that kind of the mindset for me changed? Well, I think that if that's what you think, then I would tend to agree. I really do believe that people are the experts in their own relationships. Like, I mean, I I can study, I can read case studies and, you know, I can look at 999 cases and the thousandth might be entirely different. So I think you've got it figured out. And my, my perspective is if, if things are going well, keep doing what you're doing. Kind of always, you can like look for new ways to explore, new ways to communicate, but it sounds like you've, you've got a good thing going. And I, I would encourage you to remain open to those conversations in the future. So you started thinking, oh, I think I'm going to want something like that. Now you're, I can't imagine, now you're saying I can't even imagine having a threesome or anything open. And I would just encourage you that 5, 10, 40 years down the road to be open to always having these conversations. And there is something, there's something so affirming and safe about cultivating a relationship in which you can talk about these things because the big disparity or compatibility issues from my perspective, occur when we're not open to conversation. You don't have to be open to doing things. You don't have to want the same things. But if you want to cultivate compatibility, because I see compatibility as something you cultivate as opposed to something you find, you ought to or you might want to be open to at least talking. So if I come to my husband and say, Uh, you know, something like, I want to go to a sex club. And he says, no, I don't want to go to a sex club. That's fine. We can still be compatible. But the problems arise when I insist on something or pressure. And when he just says, no way, no how, end of conversation. Whereas if my yes becomes a deeper yes, where we dig into, you know, why is it I want to go to a sex club? What are the physical, relational, social, emotional, sexual benefits I hope to derive? And more importantly, why doesn't he want to go? Why does he want to, why yes. does he even want to end the conversation? Like what are his fears, insecurities, vulnerabilities? If we can have those real conversations, it doesn't matter if we go to a sex club or don't go to a sex club, we're going to have a better connection and a better sex life if we're open to at least talking and not, and beyond what you want and go deeper to why you want it or mm-hmm. why you don't want it as the case may be. You and Gretchen are so the same person. I so think I should be a sexologist. Because I think I you think, should. I think I figured this out 10 years or 11 years ago when we first started dating. Like well, it was because I because it was always what I always said to you is it's not about wanting to do these things. It's about knowing that you are my best friend and I can have any conversation with you because I want this relationship to work. And I never want there to be a place where you don't feel like you can come to me and say something to me. Like we always have this rule that like if I'm sitting there with my best girlfriend and some guy walks by and I'm like, dude, that guy is so hot or look at his ass or whatever. I should be able to have that exact same conversation with Slade. Like there should be nothing that I, sh- I should be embarrassed or be able to share in front of him. And I, because tr- people ask us all the time, what's the key to your relationship? And I really feel like that's one of the really big keys. Like we don't have any secrets. We have the same passcodes on our phones, on our computers, on this, on like, there's nothing that we keep from each other so that whenever, like we're never surprised, we're never hurt. We're never upset about 
about something. I never see a text that he sent a buddy of like, did you see that chick? Did you see? Like, there's never any of that because we're just so open and honest. And I feel like that's a, that's why our sex life now, granted, it's not frequent right now. And that's where we need the help is the frequency of it. But when we do have the sex, it's literally almost like on this spiritual level of connectivity. And when you have sex at that level, it is so mind blowing. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. And I just wish everybody could experience that, you know? But it has a lot to do with what you've said. This is about communication. And I always, I always credit, right? I always credit Gretchen with this because she forces me to talk about stuff that I didn't ever want to talk about before. I did the guy thing. I used to marinate back in the day. Yeah. And now we just, we talk about everything in the moment. It's, it's never as bad as, as I thought it was going to be. And, and that, spills over into your sexual life to things you like. I mean, we literally talk about everything mm-hmm. and not having those right. secrets yeah. is a great guide. Yeah. Yeah. So and true. it sounds like you also reflect upon these things. I think one of the, the reasons people can't communicate about these topics is because they haven't done their own self-reflection, self-reflection. right? Yes. If I were to ask you, you know, think of a, a, a recent sexual or a, a sexual experience that was really powerful or think about, uh, you know, a recent sexual fantasy. Some people have difficulty even accessing that because we live with so much erotophobia and repression and we mm-hmm. have to really work to undo sexual shame, especially kind of along gender lines. So, yes. you know, th- it's this isn't an easy thing. This isn't something that, you know, you just arrive at. Now, I think next generations, younger folks may be more open to these reflections and conversations because there is more normalization. And more importantly, there's more diverse approaches to relationships because what works for you two sounds like it's working brilliantly. And I I feel the same way in my marriage. Like we just have the nicest relationship, but I do. And people always want to know, well, how do you do it? But I'm always reticent to share too many details because what works for Brandon, that's my husband and me, and what works for you two may be disastrous for somebody else. Like you do have to forge your own path. And that's what I see with young folks being really open to, okay, that was a disaster for me, but I can see how it might work for somebody else or vice versa. Yeah. That's such, that's such a good point. Um, so give us some examples of like, um, sex seeds. Yeah. Of like sex seeds, like some things you can do once you know the seduction style. I love the idea of leaving seeds of sex. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. So again, I, I just want to credit my co-author, Marla Renee Stewart, because we wrote all this stuff together. Yeah. But um, and, and she's the one who came up with the formula for looking at these seduction styles. And I think it's so brilliant. So, so for example, if your partner is a visual lover, like so many people are, uh, it might be, you know, sending a sexy or naughty pic of yourself to their phone or to their email. And if you're not comfortable with that, you might even just send kind of erotic pictures, obviously not something you've stolen, something you're allowed to send (laughs) that turns them on. Um, It may be just leaving your toy out on on the bedside, or maybe you're playing with yourself when they walk in. It may be that, you know, even when you're doing something non-sexual, you give them a really nice view of your body. If if you're looking at something sexual, it might be slowly taking off your clothes or writing them out a note telling them what you want to do. Now, if you have a more auditory lover, I was trying to get to this because I'm auditory. I love the sound of my husband's voice. Uh, It might be that you kind of just whisper something simple in their ear while you're at dinner, while you're out in public. Because, you know, parents are always saying like, oh, it's hard because we have kids around. Well, guess what? You have many private conversations without your kids. There's nothing that stops you from whispering something saucy in your partner's ear while you're in the kitchen. The kids kids aren't trying to listen to everything you say anyway. It might be uh, reading, recording an audio clip of yourself, you know, reading something sexy or even masturbating or reading them 
an erotic story, uh, sending them a voice note, like forget the written text. I want to hear your voice. Uh, It might be even just going to find your own kind of sounds online there's there's something uh bijou and display it's a, a brand they have a library of sex sounds at orgasmsoundlibrary.com so you can oh just God. play what? with some of those I have no idea. Yeah. Yes. Oh, if you can imagine it, it's online. (laughs) (laughs) And if they're more tactile, so tactile folks, you know, they like to dance, they like to move, they like different points of pressure, they like different fabrics. Uh, They like you to take them by the hand and show them how to touch you. So you might, it might be something simple and innocuous, like wiggling your way into them as, you know, the big or small spoon while, while they're reading or while they're working or while you're watching Netflix. Not everything has to immediately lead to sex. The idea is that you're building up the desire over time. Maybe when they're going to peck, give you a peck goodbye. Instead, you slip them the tongue. Uh, Maybe while they're on a phone call, you come up and tease them and like fondle them for a few seconds, even when you know nothing can happen. Uh, It might be, you know, just taking your time when you kiss and running your fingers over their lips. We have we have so many different ideas. Uh, And I think we just we need some inspiration, especially, you know, right now people are feeling, uh, you know, either overexposed or exhausted. And, you know, besides auditory, visual and tactile, of course, there's the olfactory and gustatory elements as well, whether it's like cooking for them or lighting a candle that, you know, ignites their senses. Because we we actually have quite a bit of research on smell being, you know, used to assess mate compatibility. So, you know, if you find someone's natural scent uh, repulsive, it may be because you have similar immune markers, which indicates that you're, you maybe shouldn't procreate together. I mean, we're going to evolutionary theory here. And so, you know, our smell, smells really seal. Yeah, that's like pheromones, right? Exactly. Like our most fond as well as our most repulsive memories are often sealed in smell. And sexual response is actually Mm -hmm. affected by sense. So the olfactory system plays a role. So imagine like you don't have to do all of this. I never want to put pressure on people, like especially, you know, you probably have listeners who aren't having sex right now or they're in sexless marriages or they're feeling frustrated or they've lost their libido after having or they don't have interest in sex after, you know, having kids. So I always want to tell people like wherever you're at, it's okay. Just kind of do one small thing and do it for yourself. Don't do it for your partner. Like be selfish. Go get yourself a toy. Tell your partner to go down on you. Masturbate. Like do do whatever it is that feels good for you without pressure to perform or live up to anyone else's standards. Yeah. I love that. That's great advice because, you know, it's funny just the other day I was telling Slade, I was like, I feel like I've lost my libido a little bit. And it was weird because right after we had the baby, not good. And then at about nine to 12 months, it was back on again. And then all of a sudden at like 14 months, I've started struggling again. And so it's interesting how much it changes. And I think that's really great advice of like, it doesn't always have to be about like pleasing your partner and like trying to feel like you have to perform, but kind of getting back in touch with yourself and, and finding out what that is. I, I really like that. I, think yeah, that's I, I actually feel it about 2.30 uh, PM today. You're going to be just fine with your leave. You don't come right back in. <laughs> so like, but like, what else would you say for people that really have lost their libido? Like what, what would you say beyond that? Is there anything else that you, the other, like, cause I feel like that's n- people's number one thing is like, how do I get that back? You know? It's like, it I don't really think, is. I don't think you lose it, but I do think her advice in trying to figure out exactly what that, that core erotic feeling is and having a conversation about what you like and don't like, even just thinking about that would start to recoup that. Well, little- but let me ask you this, then maybe this is the better question. How do you, like, does it take two 
to tangle in the situation, like meaning in order to, you know, to to get your partner in the mood and talk about initiating sex and these elevated erotic feelings and the sex seeds and like all that, like at the end of the day, do both partners have to be on board for this or like, what's your thoughts on that? That's a really good question. So yes, if you're going to have a partnered sex life and if you're going to be compatible, I do believe you need to be both willing to put in effort. And it doesn't have to be the same type of effort and it doesn't even have to be the same amount of effort. But you don't want to be flying solo and doing all of these things and meanwhile your partner is not even willing to talk about it or consider. So if you're in a place where you're willing to work on this and your partner isn't, what I would suggest is you do everything you can kind of on your own because I do see people use their partner as an excuse. They'll say like like when right. we think about therapy, oh, well, my partner refuses to go to therapy. And I always say, well, are you going? Right. right? Don't You don't need to wait for your partner. You can right. go and start these things on your own. Uh, but I mean, I will say if you get to the point that you're willing to make a considerable effort to make, whether it's the relationship or the sexual part of your relationship work, and they are unwilling, you can run into an impasse. I mean, not yeah. all relationships are lifelong. And I I wish we wouldn't see the longevity of a relationship as the measure of its fulfillment or success, because some relationships, you know, last a really long time, but they're not particularly fulfilling. Yeah, Uh, and so so we we congratulate people. Right. We say, oh, you've been together 50 years. Okay, that's good. Are you kind to one another? Do you make one another feel good? Uh, And I'm not even talking about sex. I want to say, you know, if if you've lost your libido, you're not broken. And I also really want to highlight that there are some people who don't experience sexual desire and attraction, and that may be perfectly healthy for them. And I would recommend if you've never really experienced sexual attraction and it's something that, you know, the whole culture celebrates. So you feel you have to do, but you feel a little bit lost. There is an organization, asexuality.org. So asexual folks don't experience sexual attraction. And some people will opt into uh, relationships with other asexuals. Some or They sometimes call themselves aces. Some people will opt into relationships with people who are sexual and they will still have sex, even though the desire or the attraction doesn't you know, spark them Exist. spontaneously. And the other really important piece and this is so important, is that sexual desire does not always occur spontaneously. The mistake we make is that we wait until we're in the mood for sex instead of realizing that within the context of a busy lifestyle, uh, you know, hectic work schedules, child child caring responsibilities, the trauma of, you know, global pandemics, sexual Mm -hmm. desire does not just occur spontaneously, right? Like you don't have these wild, difficult days and then get into bed and think, you know what I want to do? I want to pull out all the stops. I want to hop on top. You know, that's maybe not realistic. So in many, and I would wager most cases at this time, we need to cultivate desire via physical arousal. So if you think about desire perhaps being a little bit more mental and phys- and physical arousal being more physical, sometimes you have to get yourself physically aroused first and then the desire follows. So this model of, oh, I want sex, then I get turned on, then I have an orgasm, then it's over, is not as realistic as I don't really want sex, but I want to want sex. So I'm going to touch myself or I'm going to tell my partner to ask my partner to go down on me or I'm going to use a toy. And then once I get physically aroused, the mind follows and says, oh, yeah, sex. I remember that thing. I love that thing. Let's do that thing. Uh, Uh, I love this advice right now. No, I that, love it because you're no. going to say, I'm not in the mood. I'm going to say, Gretchen, <laughs> you just may not realize that you're in the mood and we should start off by allowing me to gently touch you. 
<laughs> and your mind way, will follow. No, but by the way, if if in fairness, that's most of the time what you do. Like meaning if I'm really not in the mood or I don't think I'm in the mood, he d- starts doing that. Like what, what I was talking about, like in the morning, we'll be laying there and like the sheet will be over me and he'll start rubbing down in that area with the sheet over me. And I'm just like, huh, okay, that feels kind of good. But uh-huh, like if uh-huh. he just Dr. like- Dr. Jess said I should do that. If he had just, you know, woke up and was like, let's have sex. And like, obviously that was his intent. I'd be like, get away from me. Like, I just woke up. Don't even think about. So when he just does these like, and he'll, and he's always good. Cause he'll start like with my back or with my butt and he'll just start rubbing me and like loving on me. And then he starts going towards the other areas. But that's I'm, only cause you make noises. And then, and then I'm like, and then I'm like, oh, okay. I like this. So you're right. Sometimes you actually have to like, um, initiate that and the mind will follow because if you're just always expecting the mind to just like be like, oh yeah, now I'm, now I want sex. Like it's not, you're so right. And I think that's what the struggle is for us right now in our lives is it's just not going to happen like that because of everything going on, because of having a baby, because of like being sleep deprived, because of being stressed, the work, the pandemic, the da, 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 da. Like you actually have to initiate and, and take responsibility and say, this is what I need to do to keep that sex life alive. We could totally right? keep her for like two hours. <laughs> we could totally keep you well, up for two hours. I, I definitely so, want to take the pressure off people. I definitely want to say, you know, if if you want to get yourself in the mood, do it. But also, if you're not in the mood, it is okay, right? I think there's so much pressure on people right now. Yeah. And so if, yeah. if sex is just off the table for you, that's okay too. But please, please talk about it. Don't let it be the elephant in the room. Yeah. Well, and f- and just, just to touch upon this briefly from the male point of view, the male perspective, yeah. and I bet there's some scientific... Uh, like I'm holding my hand up because I know <laughs> this is me. Um, there, there's some scientific uh, science behind this, but for men, men get, and I think it, it's chemical related, but men actually get sexually aroused or almost hungry for sex. That's the best way for me to describe it is that there's a hunger that they have for sex. And when they have sex, that need has been fulfilled. Like I had just had lunch and they move on. So it's not as emotional for men. Men don't necessarily have to get themselves in the mood. And the, the things that trigger men are just very different. It's kind of like, oh, I'm hungry. I want something to eat. Right? And then mm-hmm. men get, that's that's the difference in the mentality between men and women. Well, and not, that, all men, not all men per se, but, but no, I'm just in, saying, on average, that's what in they ge- In general, yeah. I think that's kind of the difference in the mentality is that they just kind of want what they want when they want it. And then they kind of move on and not really considering their partner's need to actually be put into a state of mind, put into a mood, take, take their feelings the and needs feelings and emotional requirements in consideration. And I don't think they do it. So, yeah. um, can you, before we wrap up and like I said, we could just keep you for days. Uh, can you give us some simple doable tips for building better relationships? Like talk a little bit about what your 60 second rule is. Cause I saw that and immediately Gretchen, I knew was going to run with this and go, look, dude, you got 60 seconds. <laughs> So I would love for you to expand upon that because I feel like she's going to cut me short right in the middle of my groove. I'd be like, she said the 60 uh, second uh, uh, 59 rule. 59 seconds, buddy. And uh, if I'm not calling my own name, you're out. Oh, I think so. My approach to 60 seconds has more to do with the way you connect outside of the bedroom. So totally non-sexually, what are you doing every single day to invest in your relationship? So my theory is that just like investing in the markets is more effective over time as opposed to say once a year or once a decade. Similarly, if you invest in your relationship on a daily basis and do something to make your partner feel loved and important, and especially if you can do something that's out of the ordinary or a little bit of a surprise. And again, I'm only asking for one minute a day. That ongoing investment really pays more significantly 
efficiently than only doing so on special occasions. You know, I think oftentimes we're waiting for grand gestures on birthdays or anniversaries. But what's more realistic and I think what has more of an impact is every single day go Mm -hmm. out of your way to make them feel important. So it might be, for example, I'm Canadian, all right? So taking my towel while I'm in the shower, throwing it in the dryer and bringing me a warm towel and wrapping it, you know, around me. Yeah, or my husband. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to add that to the list. (laughs) Man. Didn't mean to cut you yeah, off, I'm so. here, but it's only a minute, man. It's only a minute. Uh, I mean, you could inta- you could install a, a towel warming bar if you want. If you yes, ha- you probably like, have the space for that out where you are. But in Toronto, where like our houses are so small, uh, in the city, we we may not have space. You know, uh, taking my husband's socks in the morning again. Uh, so I'm a. Caribbean blood living in Canada. So everything in my life revolves around staying warm, especially right now because I'm stuck here. But taking his socks in the morning and throwing them on the heating vent, which takes me five seconds, so he can put on warm socks on a cold winter morning. Now you're out west, so maybe you're going to be thinking about things like while they're on Zoom calls all day, can you bring them a snack or bring them a drink? If you hear them on a stressful phone call, and everybody's seeing this right now with so many people working from home, can you go up from behind and no, not that, rub their shoulders for (laughs) six seconds. I saw his eyes widen. I was like, oh, here we go. Permission. Um, Permission. (laughs) Imagine just rubbing your partner's feet for 30 seconds or 60 seconds while you hear them, you know, dealing with tense stuff from work. So just 60 seconds a day. It might be cleaning their computer. You know, our computers always need cleaning or cleaning their phone or charging their devices. Or if they're off to work, putting a love note and hiding it in their visor so they don't get it until you know, the sun comes out in their car. So little tiny things. The investment into intimacy is so important. And I think oftentimes we conflate intimacy and sex, but sex is only one form of intimacy. And there are so many other ways to connect. It's so, so, it's so fun to hear those things because we do do, we do those do things. And actually, I'm really proud of us because she was saying all that. And I was like, we do that. We yeah. do that. Yeah, we, we do, do a that. lot of that. But so it's, like, it's it's easy and fun. Yeah. It's, it's the difference, too, is I don't feel like Either one of us feels like we have to do it. Yeah, and we and do it because we want to do it. It just kind of is second nature for us. Like like the simplest things, like you're saying, like I'll wake up in the morning, he'll he'll bring me my coffee or whatever it is throughout the day that we're we always are. The number one rule in Slade's in my relationship is we always put our partner's needs first, and that has been truly the success to our relationship. Is is when you do that and you kind of make that your number one priority, it's like y- you don't even realize that you start doing these things, and it just becomes natural. And then because you're doing it for your partner, it makes them want to do it back for you. So it's really kind of a cool back and forth when, when you start doing that. So, um, Dr. That's Just, a great point. can you tell us where people can find you on social media? Sure. I'm sex with Dr. Jess on all social media and sex with Dr. Jess.com. That is a wide open invitation right there. Do you, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine know, right? if you, if I had you at sex with Gretchen Rossi? Oh my God. <laughs> so funny. Um, you guys don't forget that she hosts a podcast with her husband called sex with Dr. Jess. Can they find that on all platforms? You sure can. Awesome. And uh, check out her book, The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. Dr. Jess, we can't say thank you enough for being on today with us. We hope to have you back again soon. And uh, we wish you continued success with everything you're doing. We're going to tell everybody it was nothing but sexy fun time with you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Jess. Yay, Dr. Jess. Babe, do you feel like we just got some really clear answers to some of the things in our 
Like, I don't know. I really was very excited about when Jess helped me understand why maybe I went from, we got to be open to like threesomes and all this crazy stuff to like, no way I don't want any of that in our relationship. Well, yes, because you, you just had, you were just affirmed. Yeah. I feel like that was really cool. Versus me just being firm. I love, <laughs> I love that I got that like clarity because it is interesting. Cause I, I have thought several times, like, why is my mindset changed so much on that? And, and that is such a big kudos to you because it's like, I didn't do anything. no, but think about it. I didn't even realize that maybe part of the reason, like I was saying, like it was a protective mechanism as to why maybe I was saying like, no, we need to be open to these things because I was cheated on. And it's like, I so badly never wanted to be cheated on again. So I thought, well, if I just have this relationship open and like, you know, well, not open, but you know, open communication. And then because of that, I feel like I was trying to protect myself, but over time, it's like you made me feel so adored, so loved, so whatever that I that I didn't that I didn't have that insecurity anymore. But this here's where you and I are the same person, though, and, and I think you're right. It, it for you, it was a maybe a protection mechanism. Not even protection is the wrong wrong term. I think mm-hmm. when you and I first started, even before we started dating, right? Yeah. Because of our friendship. I was talking to you about all the girls I was dating. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And so I would call you up and we'd have these conversations. I'm like, oh, I'm dating this one girl because she's super funny. Yeah. I'm just not that physically attracted to her. Oh, I'm dating this other girl. <laughs> she's so hot, but I don't want to talk to her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, da- I'm dating this other girl. She's wickedly intelligent. Like I really enjoy our time together. Yeah, you know, she's moderately sexy, but I just, I really like the intellectual conversation. Right. And I was explaining the fact that I had to have five different people to really help me feel fulfilled at right. every level. And so we've always talked about that. Who who fulfills your needs spiritually, physically, right. mentally, right? Right. And emotionally. You know, this, it, those four characteristics, it's really important to have all in a single individual. That's where you and I have won the lottery. Yeah. Because all of those things are fulfilled. People who look outside the relationship are looking to be fulfilled in something that doesn't exist. Yeah. And this is why what Dr. Jess said is so important. You have to be willing to put the time in. Mm-hmm. Are you properly affirming your partner? Are you making them feel fulfilled because you're taking the time to listen? Are you setting, you know, the groundwork for laying seeds of love, right? So that yeah. they feel special all the time, not just on those big, big moments. Well, not only not on those big moments, but like she was saying, I think it's so important that like all of a sudden you're not like, oh, okay, now you're sexy because I want to have sex with you, you know? Yes, it, exactly. It's about that 60 second rule, which I think is such a great, I love that. Like, I'm totally going to steal that from her. Like if somebody asks me advice, I'm going to be like, do you do the sex 60 second rule where it's like, you have to be making your partner feel on the daily that you love and you care about them yeah. and you're attending to their needs and wants. Because if you all of a sudden just go, oh, now I think you're sexy or now I want to rub your feet because I want something out of it. It doesn't feel authentic anymore. No, that's why the whole terminology of sex seeds is so important. If you take 60 seconds to lay a sex seed, yeah. you'll get to tend my garden later. <laughs> oh my yeah, lord. Yeah, baby. Okay, so what should our question of the week be? I think that should be that. What are you doing um, for or your what could partner? You do? Or what could you do to lay those sex seeds? Or, you know, what could you start doing that would be that, you know, 60 second rule every day for your partner? Um, to really make them feel, you know, loved and and appreciated and that, you know, it's it's more than just 
you know, oh, I'm just like, I see you as like this person that's just going to make me feel better in that sexual moment, you know? Yeah, not just a sexual object. <laughs> Although I'm looking at you like a sexual object. We got to rack with the show. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks for tuning in again. We love you guys. Be sure to subscribe and download. Now, don't forget that next week is Thanksgiving, so we don't have an episode next week. But please join us again the following week. And we can't wait to talk at you. Love you. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast do not constitute medical or professional advice. Do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please visit stage29.tv.